Welcome to the Parent University Podcast. Parent University is a monthly training seminar for parents of teenagers here at Perimeter Church. It is our desire to come alongside families by equipping them to lead their children in a biblical, God-honoring way. We hope you enjoy the following talk. Right now, our president has come out and uh, he was on the cover of Newsweek as the first gay president. I don't know if you are aware of that. Um, he's not gay, but what they mean by that was that he is, he came out for same-sex marriage. And so there's, there's an agenda there. And certainly, um, our kids are aware of these things. You know, even what the president does, we may think that they're not up or thinking about what's happening in politics and things like that, but they are really aware. Um, I can tell you things after the Clinton scandal in the 90s. I was a youth pastor all through the 90s as well. And let me tell you, some of the activities that Clinton was involved in definitely affected the behavior of teenagers, and we're still reaping that today. Um, So it does affect uh, how we view things, the the most powerful man in the world and what he does. Um, But uh, recently I was perusing... uh, through th- uh, doing some research on the new shows that are coming out this fall. And so I just want to put it on your radar, some of the things. We had, uh, years ago, one of the first shows that, uh, that had uh, openly gay characters or main characters that were gay was Will and Grace. I don't know if any of you remember that show. Um, that was a show, I believe, in the 90s. I did not really watch it, but it was very popular. And um, there was, uh, uh, you know, a, a subtle thing that's happened is w- one of the trends that I see happening right now is for several years we've had a gay um, or homosexual side characters or fringe characters. And the difference, and Will and Grace was one of the first that had a main character that was a homosexual. And now, of course, Glee has, again, it's an ensemble, Modern Family is another one that's super popular right now that has a, a prominent gay couple as part of the ensemble. But there's a few shows that are coming out now where they're pushing the main characters uh, to be gay. Two of those, one is called The New Normal, which is um, the whole storyline is it's about a gay couple that is trying to have a, a child through a surrogate mother. And so she's become part of the family. And I think her... Uh, Ellen Arkin, I believe is her name. She is the, her mom is a totally homophobic, you know, old school. So that's kind of the rub or part of the tension that they're building into the show. And so um, the new normal is is one of those shows. And then Partners is a new show that's coming out. And it's going to be kind of like Will and Grace. It's two business partners, I think, in an architectural firm where it's one is a straight guy and one is gay, but they're both married and they're both having kids and all these other things. And so they're going to experience that together as they go through that. So um, other shows, I mean, uh, others, many, many shows have gay characters and they're prominently featured shows like uh, Happy Endings, um, White Collar, these are, are other shows where you have prominent gay characters. And one of the differences, if you see any of these shows or if your kids are watching these shows, is they will definitely have storylines that go with these characters, you know, certain episodes where you might watch 10 episodes and the gay character is just, uh, you know, just kind of there, you know, or, you know, says some funny lines or whatever. But then there's shows where they're adopting a kid or they're ha- it's all about their relationship. And, and they show things, you know, kissing and, and all kinds of stuff. And so that's a huge change from the early 90s. And, of course, it didn't happen in the 80s at all. 
Um, so just be aware of this movement that is taking place. If your kids attend public school, they will be around kids who are actively homosexual or bisexual. Um, you want to engage with them on that. Again, one of the reasons that I draw your attention to this is for you to engage your children on these issues. And why is this important? One of the reasons it's important is because we have a tendency as Christians to think, okay, our kids have grown up in the church, they know this stuff. And we don't go into the why or we don't discuss or engage on these matters. For example, you, your child, remember last month what we talked about was living together, right? Almost all of us would say, oh, our kids know that living together is wrong and they, they would not do that. But we know statistics are saying people are living together like crazy. Their image and their ideas of these things are being shaped by culture. And even though you would know that shacking up is something you would not approve of and you think your kids would know that, you still need to engage and talk about it and talk it through and point it out when you see it on TV or in a movie. This is the same thing with the homosexual agenda. Uh, your kids are being raised with the idea that the worst thing they can do is judge someone. That is what our culture says more than anything else. And so what is the biblical position? Um, I teach a student TFL group every week, and uh, it's usually sophomores and above can take TFL. And one of the things I did this past week was just say, theology matters, and the Bible does speak into these things. And I just said, let's dive into something that you guys deal with or have seen. And I said, we're going to talk about homosexuality. And I just kind of dove into the scripture. And because there's all these ideas, you know, they, don't, they hear all these things, but they're not really in the word. And so a lot of them don't know what the word actually says. And I said, let's dive in. You should engage your kids on this and talk about Romans 1. Romans, you know, a lot of people think, well, it's all Old Testament stuff, the whole that homosexuality is wrong. But Romans 1 definitely dives into and actually gives a reason behind why we have homosexuality. Because what your kids are hearing, what is the main thing they're hearing from culture about homosexuality? Is it learned that you're born this way, that there's nothing you can do about it? Okay, and I don't think that the Bible does speak into this issue, you know, it talks about how God gave them over to a depraved mind and how because they threw, people threw off the mantle of Christianity, threw off God who they knew existed, he allowed them into an area uh, and allowed their minds to go down this path. Okay, And if you read Romans 1, there's, I, I would have read it, but there's like a huge section on it at the end of Romans chapter 1. Okay, but then you need to balance that and take it and show them 1 Corinthians 6. And in 1 Corinthians 6, starting in verse 9, but moving down through, one of the things that's amazing is he says, some of you, he says, these people will not inherit the kingdom of God, homosexuals, idolaters, coveters, drunkards, you know, and he goes down this huge list of things. And then I love in verse 11, he says, and such were some of you. Now, what is that teaching us? That is teaching us that even though I'm talking about there's a movement in media and culture, right, promoting homosexuality, we, obviously homosexuals were in the early church, they, and they were told to cast off that lifestyle. They used to be that way. He says, such were some of you, but now you, you are in the church. And so we need to be teaching them, hey, how did that homosexual come into the church? Probably someone loved on them and shared the gospel with them, and was kind to them, and reached out to them. 
Okay, so we have that as a responsibility as Christians. I think for us as Christians, homosexuality presents a huge problem because we don't know how to deal with it. I don't think the church deals with it very well. I'll say that as a, personally. I don't know that I have dealt with it well. I've dealt with many homosexual students over the years. Um, haven't had a great track record with them. It's a, it's a difficult thing. Our youth ministry, for example, we have four or 500 students in our high school ministry that are active, and not a one is openly homosexual. But that doesn't mean they're not there. Just statistically, we know there are a bunch of kids struggling with this, and it is not a safe place to be struggling with that in our church. And so they're not letting us know that they're struggling with it. Um, but engage with your kids on these things. Take them to Scripture. Talk about them openly. Talk about what their responsibility is. You may have homosexual friends or homosexual family members. And you've got to engage. You know, even if you say, well, we don't watch TV at our house or we don't watch anything that has that. Okay, well, like, my brother's homosexual. I've got a cousin who's homosexual. I've got to deal with it whether I want to or not, <laughs> whether it's on, you know, and I've got to figure that out, and it's not easy. So um, just wanted to bring all of this to your attention, and again, the usual mantra that you're going to hear from me is engage. Engage with them. Talk about it. Let them know. Don't just assume because they've grown up at perimeter or at perimeter school or whatever that they know the answers to this. And even if they know the biblical position against it, do they know they're supposed to be loving in spite of it? That's the other thing. Um, that's the other thing that you need to, need to teach. So um, we are uh, getting ready now. I want, we always spotlight also a staff member. And uh, this week, I want to introduce Mark Gaines. And Mark is the guy over here who's behind the computer usually. Mark's the one who does... All of our graphics, and, uh, and well, he's going to tell you some of, of the stuff that he does for us. But he was an intern, and we were able to recently add him to our staff this last year because he's made himself pretty much invaluable. Um, and so I wanted him to just share a little bit about who he is and his experience. Hello. And the first thing you need to know about me is I'm way more comfortable over here behind this computer or in the tech booth than I am here. This is definitely not my wheelhouse. So... We'll work through this phobia together. Um, I'm Mark Gaines. I'm 33 years old. Uh, I grew up actually really close to here, um, right next to South Forsyth High School where I went. Um, graduated from there in 98. Um, this is my family. I'm married to a wonderful woman, Dina. That's our, our child, Layla. That's actually a, an older picture of her. Um, she's almost five now. It's my parents, of course, on the left, and my brother, and Baby Maddox. We all call him Baby Maddox. Unfortunately, I think that's going to stick. Um, that's my nephew. I, uh, I grew up in the church, um, and unfortunately I have a pretty typical testimony for kids that grow up in a church, and that is that uh, when I kind of came to age and um, was able to start making decisions for myself, I stopped going to church. Um, I walked away from it. Um, you know, um, you, you grow up, and, and it's always there. Uh, my father's a pastor. My, my mom was a preschool director of the church that I went to. And, uh, and so we were always there. I mean, literally five days a week. And uh, you, it, it becomes very comfortable. It becomes very usual. And um, when you start getting a little freedom, the last thing you want to do is, is, 
experience what you've always experienced your whole life. And so you kind of start walking away. A statistic that uh, always sticks with me is that um, 60% of students that leave church uh, after high school do not come back. And some studies even say 80% don't ever come back to the level that they are involved in whenever they grew up. And that's a, it's a pretty jarring statistic. Um, and really one of my inspirations for, for wanting to do ministry and going into ministry, because I feel like that I'm uniquely equipped to, to address that, especially here at Perimeter where we have a lot of covenant kids, a lot of students that grew up in the church. Um, I feel like that I can, I understand where they're at, and I would like to think that I understand um, how to bridge that gap, how to uh, uh, walk with them through what they've, they've always known and what they're starting to learn and understand, all the new responsibilities and, and the whole wide-open future that they have in front of them. Um, that is one reason why, or one of the many reasons why, I love my job. Um, I'm the creative director, and that means basically that I do all the uh, video, media, um, posters, slides, T-shirts, anything that has to do with art. Um, I create, and I also uh, am the program director, so I kind of oversee any kind of live program that we do, Parent University, uh, the Watership program, 5 o'clock Sunday nights, you should come. We're working really hard to make it good this year. Um, And that gives me a ton of opportunities to, for lack of a better term, make church cool, um, to really make it rich and full. And I'm, I'm an ad guy, I'm a marketing guy, I love messaging, I love message branding, and to, to work with the message of Jesus Christ every day and, and to get to dive into it and make it come to life and, and make it colorful and, and, and really expand the, the visibility of it is, is really inspiring to me. And, and I love to love on these kids that way. I love to make it where they, or at least try to help make it where it's something they can be proud of, that they want to bring their friends to, that they enjoy. Um, uh, kind of speeding through this, but last thing, um, I want to say that if you, if you have a creative student, and that is that if you have somebody that doodles, loves to draw, loves to make videos, you know, is always using your video camera to make videos or... Um, you know, designs their own T-shirts or their clothes or loves to write, um, I would greatly encourage you, come talk to me, slot me their number, I'll call them. We have so many, we do so much stuff here, we have so many opportunities for them to get involved. And one of the things that I'm passionate about and really we're passionate about here is not only equipping them spiritually, but giving them opportunities to equip themselves practically, to give them um, uh to work through and to develop skills and traits and talents and interests that um, that's going to help them and that they're going to carry outside of this church when they leave. And they can go to college and plug into a church and be able to run the tech booth or be able to make slides or be able to design T-shirts and to already kind of have their, um, their feet wet in those areas. Like I said, we do so much stuff here. There's so many opportunities to take something from concept to completion and to develop that, that talent or that creative ability or really just that interest, you just need you just need work, you just need time, you just need, you know, many, many opportunities to keep working through that process and working through that process. And um and and that's really something I think unique about uh perimeters youth ministry and youth ministry in general is that there's so many opportunities to do that. 
So thanks a lot. As you can tell, he's not passionate at all about what he does. But um, he, you know, Mark is, is helping us try to make the gospel relevant to this generation. Um, I'm 44. I'm not cool anymore. I rely on Mark. Okay? All the time. When he has, shows me a t-shirt or something or a, a graphic and I go, I think it's really ugly. And he says, no, it's really cool. I go, okay, I trust you because I'm old and I'm not, I'm not getting this anymore. So he is, uh, he's been great. He's just very creative, thinks outside the box. And I think uh, what he does for our team in helping us constantly try to craft uh, the message in a way that's relevant and creative is great. And you can see that he wants to engage students to be a part of that process too, which I think is a huge thing for our ministry that's great. Um, Well, let's transition. I mean, it's interesting that Mark talked about this uh, as a part of his story that he walked away from the church uh, for a season of his life. I think that is a fear that all of us have, right? Uh, We see the statistics and they're pretty scary. And we constantly hear this drumbeat. um, And it is is creepy. I'll I'll say, and I I probably said it in here before, I do think you got to be careful with statistics. it's possible that God's Spirit has left the United States and that, and that without another Great Awakening, we're going to see uh, that trend continue in the U.S. I think um, something to consider is people are getting married much later, and a lot of people don't go back to church until they get married and have kids. And so if they're really, if Barna and all these people are out doing the, this research to 25 and 26-year-olds, yeah, they're probably not back at church yet because they're not getting married till they're 30 now and they're not having kids till their early 30s. I'd like to know if he researches the same group when they're 35, what the, what the results are, if it's still 80%. So that's just my little caveat there when you hear those statistics to, um, to think about. Uh, but I want to talk about leaving the church. I want to talk about today about what, what if my kids don't want to come to church? What if they don't want to come here? And a lot of you may experience that uh, battle in your home. Um, I know when I was in high school or junior high, I grew up in the church as a, as a Southern Baptist in East Tennessee. And I remember every Sunday as a little kid begging to stay home. You know, I, I heard uh, a preacher say once that he was safe from a drug problem because his parents drug him to church every time the door was open. And that's my story too. I was there all the time. And I can remember begging, oh, you know, I don't want to go to church. I don't want to go to church as I was little. And then I got involved in a vibrant youth ministry in high school, and it flipped. I was begging my parents, please take me to church. Please take me to church. And God was working in my life, and and it was an amazing switch. And I don't, I think that um, uh, we all want to see that happen in our kids. We want to say, we want Psalm 81, and I've, I've pulled some different verses out of Psalm 81, How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty. My soul yearns and even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Verse 4, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you. Verse 10, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Man, wouldn't we love our kids to feel that way about church. I would rather hold the door of church, you know, than dwell in the house of the wicked. 
Psalm 42, these things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go with the multitude leading the procession to the house of God with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the festive throng. Right? We want our kids to get up in the morning with shouts of joy because it's Sunday and they get to go to church. Wouldn't that be awesome? Um, Now, of course, one thing you have to ask yourself right away is, do you feel that way? Because you're the main billboard for Jesus, remember, in your home. You're the billboard up, and how you feel about church and how you're committed to church is part of what your kids, the cues your kids are going to take. So we have to constantly look at ourselves when we have this question. Um, It's interesting how God works because I, I started preparing for this or started thinking about this as a topic. And yet this, just this week, I had a conversation with a couple moms that are in here uh, about this subject, which helped me, the juices to flow as I, as I prepared this message. And then I also had uh, a, a meeting about worship attendance with other worship pastors. I lead worship in the hangar often. And it was amazing as I sat in there, Bob Cargo said something that I felt like was just, he just nailed really kind of a paradigm that I want to share with you um, that is going to help us as we, as we think about this subject. What he said is that primarily people come to worship for four different reasons, okay? And I want to throw those out, and then I'm going to give you just a ton of different thoughts and information, and, you, and we're going to ask ourselves which one of these categories these fit into, okay? But one of the things he says is sociological, that people go to church for sociological reasons. Um, and you can say even like cultural reasons, right? There are people who, like I said, I grew up going to church. It was my habit. It was who I was. It was uh, the way that it happened in my family. I'll tell you, sociologically though, and, and culturally in society, we are moving away from an every Sunday morning culture. Uh, I was talking with a friend at another large church here in the area, and he shared with me, it was another mega church, and I wouldn't be surprised if our statistics are similar He said 80%, they did a study, 80% of their congregation goes to church two or less times a month. Okay? Two or less times a month, 80%. That is staggering. From the culture I grew up in, in the 70s and the early 80s, where the people who went to church were there 80-90% of Sundays, they were there. Now we have a lot of reasons to skip church. Um, And so... You know, that there's, there's a low commitment right now. And it's not easy when we get into the, to answer the reasons why. There's a lot of reasons as you go down through there. There are relational reasons why we go to church. A lot of you, if you, it, and I, I guarantee this, if there's a new couple who's visiting our church today and they love Randy's preaching and they love the worship and they love all of it and they don't get connected relationally to our church within three or four months, they will not stay at this church more than likely. They will leave if they don't find relational connection. Missional. Do they have a purpose here? Same kind of thing. Uh, If a young couple comes here and gets plugged in, and maybe even relationally, that might keep them. Okay, that's that's a huge factor. But you need to have a purpose in where you're at. If a lot of people show up every week here because they're serving in the nursery and they know they gotta be here, right? So they have a missional component as to why they're involved here. So missional is huge. Attractional. Do they connect with it? Is it done in such a way that is attractive to them? 
Now at Perimeter, we've actually done something that's a little bit radical in that we have three different venues. We have the chapel, the main, and the hangar service. So at least as far as worship goes, you can kind of have a pretty different style of worship that you prefer and still find a place to land that is uh, that, that, that at least stylistically is something that you enjoy. Okay, so Bob threw those things out. Um, you know, and there you're going to get into music style and teaching style and things like that. Um, when you take all these, now, Bob didn't say this other one, but I think it, it was kind of understood in the context of what we're talking about. There's also a spiritual component, right, as to whether or not you want to be at church on Sunday morning. Um, are you a believer? You know, we would never assume that someone who's not a believer is going to want to be at church. That would actually, if they do, it's probably because they're connected to a body in one of these other reasons, right? Like someone could uh, just have a cultural context. You go to church because that's what you do and not even be a believer and sit in the pew or sit in, the, in church for years and never be a believer. We all know of someone who has been like that, right? Or you even have, uh, we had years ago a student who was Hindu, who came to Watershed regularly and loved it and even did, was, did a part of Gold Rush. And part of that was as we were trying to minister to him, our community and the relational component was so attractive to him that he bought into that way before uh, the gospel. In fact, as far as I know, he's still not a believer, but, but he's in college now. And he's somebody that we, we shared the gospel with many times and, and, and worked with him. But So these other things can be a draw. But are you a believer? Uh, and a mature Christian should be in church, right? Because they're in love with Jesus and they want to be around a body of believers uh, who is corporately worshiping. And we all would say that. So these are the ish- these are things that we need to uh, throw out. Now, so now in, in no particular order, I'm going to go through just a whole bunch of other issues that you may or may not be dealing with at your house. And this just for, just so you can have this stuff on your radar. Again, part of Parent U is I don't always have the answers to give you guys. I want to make sure that you're thinking deeply about what's going on so that you can apply Scripture so that you can winsomely engage your kids about these issues. Uh, issue number one, maybe your kids are loyal to parachurch, um, but not our church. Okay? And that can definitely happen in this area. Um, one of the big things that our youth ministry has done over the last few years, we quit having a Wednesday night service. And part of that was, we believe that you're supposed to be missional where you live, work, and play, right? And, and we were thinking, why are we drawing all the kids back to the church on Wednesday night when most of them where they live, work, and play is on their school campus during the week, and we want them to be active there, okay? So we wanted them to be involved in student venture and young life. We wanted them to be uh, involved in FCA, and many, many of our students are. In fact, you'd be shocked to know the number of presidents of FCA Student Venture or Young Life active students that we have. Our students are leading those clubs in many high schools in this area, and they're very active in the leadership of those things, and it's great. I mean, I'm, I'm very happy about that. However, there's some things that we need to think about when, if that is the situation that you're in with your kids. Um, do they offer, for example, at Johns Creek this last year, many of our seniors led small groups at Johns Creek through Student Venture. Great organization. We love student leadership. We love student ownership. And I'm really excited that they're doing that um, and that they're representing the kingdom of God and not necessarily perimeter church in that. Now, when you talk about that, though, do they offer the same training that we do? 
See, we have seniors lead watershed groups as well, freshmen or eighth grade groups. You can do that as a senior within our ministry. But we, do, we know what kind of training that we offer. What kind of theology are they teaching? What kind of accountability do they have? Okay, these are things that you need to be engaging with your kids. I'm not saying no, that's not happening. But is it happening at the level that it would happen here? Um, we, it, it's important. Theology is important. It drives what you do and what you think and how you think. Um, the training that you have, accountability, all of these things are important. Um, we have to be intentional um, about the missional aspect. Where are they giving and where are they receiving? Um, different parachurch ministries are not designed to feed them the way that church is designed to do that, right? For example, Young Life, I've, I am now actively a volunteer with Duluth Young Life on Monday nights, and I haven't been involved in Young Life for years, so I'm kind of glad that it's fun to jump back in there with Emilio Hood. He's uh, on Segway, which is a ministry that our church heavily supports, and it's a great organization. And I'll tell you what, if Young Life is the diet of Christianity that your kids are getting, and it's the only thing they're getting, it is... Uh, you know, something out of a snack bar, you know, or, or something out of the snack machine. It's a bag of Cheetos spiritually, okay? Because it's not designed to be discipleship. Young Life is designed to be outreach. And so knowing with your, what your kids are involved in on their campus, how they are missionally engaged, if they are going to be a part of Young Life, I applaud that. We have lots of kids. Uh, some of you I see, and I know your kids are involved in Young Life, and my daughter's going to be involved in Young Life, too, and I think it's fantastic. But she's going to know what her mission is at Young Life, is her mission is to go and bring her non-Christian friends to Young Life, because that's what it's for. If she's like, I don't need to go to church, Mom and Dad, but I'm going to Young Life, some of, sometimes for us, we can just check the box and go, okay, you're getting your Christianity. You're just getting it at school. That's great, because you got your Christian friends at school. Well, a lot of non-believers go to Young Life. That's the point, Right. So it's not the same, don't, don't, and don't kid yourself into thinking that it is, okay? You just need to be aware of that and talk to your kids about it and make sure where are they receiving. For example, a good option would be your kids are here in discipleship and they're getting deeper into the Word, they're growing, and then they have a missional outlet through Young Life or FCA on their campus, okay? You see what I'm talking about? It's, that's a great one-two punch. They have mission and they have their place where they're being discipled and where they're receiving, Okay, so think through this. Uh, where are they growing? Again, in their knowledge and accountability. Proximity. Okay, well, what, now this one, which one of those that I just talked about, spiritual, missional, attractional, relational, sociological, which one does that fit into? When we're talking about accountability, theology, all these things. Do we know? Is that easy to peg? Which one? I would probably say spiritual. That's a little harder because there's a lot of different things going on there. There's a huge relational component to that. Okay, and that actually leads me to my next point. A lot of times when your child goes to high school, there's something else that's happening in their life. Junior high can start as early as junior high. They are, their peer group is becoming the most important group in their life. More so than mom and dad, more so than family. I mean, it is, and you know this because you're getting ready to go on vacation, right? And your oldest son or daughter is like, no, I don't want to go with you. <laughs> or I don't want to go, period. Why? Because they're, they're worried about what they're going to miss with their peer group while they're gone. Or they want to make sure they take one of their friends with them or two of their friends, right? Because 
suddenly their allegiances and everything is transferred over and their peer group is everything. That's important when it comes to church. Uh, I have seen so many families of this church even move and say, wow, you know, we don't like our neighborhood anymore. We live right near the church, but we're going to move to, you know, Sugar Hill because we got a great house up there and we like it and all this stuff. Okay, that's fine. Your kids are five years old. But if you're going to live at Sugar Hill, when your kid gets to high school and their most important relationship is their peer relationship, how many Sugar Hill kids go to our youth ministry? Zero. Maybe one. Is it going to be easy to get your child to come to Perimeter Church when all of their peer group that they live, work, and play, that they're with all day long and everything, none of them come here? Is that going to be an easy thing? No, that's not going to be an easy thing. You just need to know that when you're making that decision to move 20 miles from the church, that, and, then, and then all the stuff that we do here, relationally, the relational component is a huge factor. Proximity. If no one from your school goes to our youth ministry, it's hard. I'll give you another statistic. Did you know if you go to, what is it, the west side of Perimeter, out towards Alpharetta, where do all those kids that are Christians go to church? North Point. Because most people aren't going to drive past North Point to come to us. Okay? If you're on the other side of Perimeter, there's still a lot of North Point people because obviously it's a huge draw, but a lot of people don't want to drive past Perimeter to get to North Point. So we have a huge group. If you're on Norcross side, uh, Johns Creek, you know, going up north, going east of the church, we have a lot of kids that go to Perimeter uh, Youth Ministry from those schools. But when you go over like to Alpharetta, we have like a handful because they all go to North Point because it's in their backyard. Proximity is important about where you live as to where they want to go to youth ministry and where they want to go to church, okay? Um, If your kids are in a private Christian school, and I'm speaking as the high school pastor specifically about high school right now, because I realize we have a Christian school here, and it has its own issues, okay? (laughs) It causes us all kinds of great and bad problems because of the clickiness and things that can happen as a result of that. But if your kids are in Wesleyan or Providence or things like that, how is that going to affect whether your kids want to come to church here or not? Does anybody know what those environments are like? Let me give you a hint. If your kids are at Wesleyan, which is a, it's, a, it's a great school. Providence is a great school. I have nothing against any of these schools. But they have their own discipleship groups. They have their own mission trips. Uh, I think Providence even has their own youth group night, like Wednesday night. And so if your peer group, remember what I just said, if, if, if all the kids that you're around all the time are in your discipleship group at your school, if they are, you know, going on mission trips with their school, they have to choose, you know, you're competing. So when you make a choice as a family to put your kids in that environment, just keep in mind, it may work against them being involved at perimeter and not on purpose. Okay. And nobody is choosing that, but you're going to have to be more intentional about plugging them in here is what I'm saying. You're going to have to work harder 
because that pull is so strong into all of those activities. And you're paying a lot of money for all those activities. So it's a good thing. Again, there's nothing wrong with that environment. I just am trying to let you know there's a downside to that, okay? As far as them being plugged in here, you have to factor that in. All right? Um, Keep in mind, when you choose some of these schools, theologically, they are different from us. Again, they're going to be taught different theology than what we believe at Perimeter. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, that can sharpen your kid. But are you engaged with them? Do they come home and say, Mom, you're not going to believe what we talked about in Bible class today. And I, I was just going tooth and nail on uh, predestination with my Bible teacher. Okay, if that's what's happening, you're probably solid. All right? It's awesome. But if they don't ever say a word about it <laughs> and they're not talking to you about it, what kind of theology, you know, you need to be engaged with them and go, what are you guys talking about in Bible class? Because that, their theology is very different, okay? Um, so you just have to be aware, again, of what, what is happening there. Um, okay, so when we talk about proximity and your peer group, what, which one are we talking about? Relational, missional, attractional, spiritual, sociological? Relational. For high school students, relational is probably, I think, the biggest factor. Honestly, because they are relational creatures. It is huge. It is huge. Um, so don't downplay that one for sure. Um, let's, let's move to one that this one might bite all of us a little bit. Um, low view of the Sabbath day. Okay, as the Lord's Day. I think as the church, and I'm talking not just perimeter church, I would say the church in the United States, we have lost Sabbath principle, Lord's Day principle. And we have gone away from it almost entirely. Um, Verses that you would have for this are Hebrews 10, 24. um, And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. You have Jesus himself in Luke 4 saying, Jesus, he went to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as was his custom, and he stood up to read. We know that Jesus attended the synagogue every Sabbath day. Uh, And, of course, he would have followed all of the Sabbath laws uh, Exodus 20, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Now, again, I don't have time in here to go into all of the reasons why the, the church we have going all the way back, be, Sunday became the Lord's day because that was the day Jesus rose from the dead and it became the Christian Sabbath. If you want to throw out the whole idea of Sabbath, you, you have an issue. You're pretty much saying one of the Ten Commandments no longer is valid. And I don't know about you, I have a little bit of a hard time saying that's, that's okay to throw out one of the big ten, Okay. I have a little bit of a problem with that. So I do believe that the Christian Sabbath is Sunday, and that presents some issues for us. But you need to be teaching Sabbath principle to your kids. Uh, and Sabbath principle, if you read the Westminster Confession, and I, I just summarize some of it here, it says um, what the Westminster Confession says, which is the, the, what our church believes, is the holy resting all the day from worldly employment and recreations as are lawful on other days. Again, there's nothing wrong with these things. Spending the whole time in public and private exercise of God's worship. Okay? So a holy resting and worship and being at church. Being at church and resting is basically what we're taught that we're supposed to be doing. 
on Sunday. How, now I'm not going to go in again, how your family, how your own personal conviction, your matters of conscience, all these things enter into that. But what is your expression? If you work on the Sabbath, no problem. If you play golf on the Sabbath, no problem. If you don't, aren't in church on Sunday and don't make it a priority, your kids will take less of a priority than you probably. So if again, you're a two Sunday a month kind of person, don't be surprised if your kids don't come at all. They're taking their cues from you. If it's okay to skip church for sports year-round because you've got tournaments every Sunday, what are you teaching them? What are they learning from that cue? Okay? Um, this is a huge issue in our area, especially the sports thing. I know so many people who they're, they're never here. And why? Because Johnny's playing baseball at East Cobb, you know? And, and he's going to get a scholarship, you know? And, you know, if, talk to Jay Martin sometime about the statistics of kids who actually play college ball. It is so small <laughs> that if that's the dream that you're banking on and you're spending thousands of dollars and heading there, and, you know, and then your kid never goes to church again, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. I will tell you that. Uh, even if they play in the major leagues, if they lose their soul, it's not worth it. And again, the two aren't necessarily uh, related in that way. But your priority and how much you make it a priority is going to be transferred to your kids. Okay, so spend some time thinking about that. Which one of those does that fit into? Sabbath day, observance. Spiritual. Okay, and again, sociological, right? We used to have blue laws and all these other things. I mean, there's definitely a societal shift that's taking place uh, that we're fighting against. Um, even family time. I have many people who, I've had people call the church and call and go, oh, our child, Susie, is not going to be involved in anything you guys are doing at church on Sunday night because that's our family night. Now, here's an interesting thing. This is where you're competing Family time, Sabbath principle, which is an awesome thing that I just read, right, is competing against activities at the church, okay? Two good things that are competing against each other. The one thing I want to caution you on that, remember going back to the main, what did I say was the main reason that kids tend to want to come to youth group or not? Relational. If the main thing that we do as a ministry is meet Sunday night, and have our youth group time and a meal together and discipleship, and you opt out of that in favor of family time together, your kids are not going to be connected relationally to our youth ministry. And when they don't know anybody here, they're not going to want to come to anything that we do. Because, Mom, I feel weird. I walked in there. There's 150 kids there. And I don't know anybody. See, these things snowball, and they build on each other. I'm all for family time. I think you need to do it. But we can't always package our programming on Sunday morning to make it convenient for you or your friends or their families. We do as much as we can on Sunday morning. I have parent you on Sunday morning to make it convenient for you to be here right now. But if the only bit of church that your kids are going to get is Sunday morning, relationally, they're not going to be connected here. And you just need to know that. You're, uh, so that one, I've already kind of let you know, is the, the relational figure factor. Um, next one, perimeter fatigue. This one you're not going to find in any book because I made it up. Actually, you're not going to find any of these in a book because I made it all up. But perimeter fatigue is, comes from if you are connected through PCS here at perimeter or cheer or, you know, I don't know how often cheer meets here. 
There are different things that are going on here a lot. And I'll tell you what, my family's life revolves around this building. I am often in this church seven days a week. Uh, when Jace is playing basketball in the league that's here, I'm here seven days a week. I get sick of this place. I'm just telling you, I love my church, but it, it makes me tired to walk in here sometimes because I'm just sick of it. If your kids are in school here from the time they're in the, the kindergarten and they're in this building six days a week, they're, they could be tired of it by the time they get to high school. And one of the real dangers, and this is a danger about Christian school that we'll talk about, uh, it's either next month or the month after, I'm going to give you all about school choice and how to shore up your school choice, the w- w- strengths and weaknesses of different educational factors. We'll talk about that. But this is one of those things, is if you choose Christian school, one huge thing I've seen our kids do is they equate perimeter school with God and the church by the time they're in eighth grade. Many of them do. So guess what? If they're really hating school, they're really hating church. And they don't even give Watershed a chance. They hit high school and they are gone. I mean, they, they are just tired of this place. And they're tired of the administration and they're tired of things like that. That's not every kid. And unfortunately, I can't give you all the factors because there's a spiritual factor and component in that too. I can't give you the factors. Some kids go through eight years of school here and can't wait to get back here on Sunday. Some kids go through eight years of school here, and they don't even want to see the parking lot again, okay? So it is a factor, and you need to talk to your kids about it. You need to engage. Um, But that is a real danger. One of the solutions on that one specifically is get your kids outside the walls, out of the bubble when you can. Get them out. Uh, you know, I mentioned sports leagues like Jace. He's 11. He's in the fifth grade here. We got him in Duluth. Gwinnett County sports football. And let me tell you, it has been awesome for our whole family. We uh, eyes are wide open. I mean, we are outside the bubble. And it's great and hard and busy and all these other things, but it's good because then when he enters back into the bubble, he can start seeing, wait a second, the contrast. This is, this is a good thing for him to see. So I encourage you, if your daughter's in dance, think about, and I love our dance academy. My daughter has been in the dance academy right up in that room up there doing dance here. But you know what? It's not a bad idea to put them in dance in the community so that they can interact with some non-Christians. Um, think about that as a factor. All right. Next factor, clicks. Um, Dad, it's too clicky. I hate going to that youth group. Everybody, everybody's in, a, I'm on the outside and everybody went to PCS and I didn't and blah, 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 blah. Okay. Again, I've heard it all. Guess what? I've heard it at every church I've ever been at. This is the sixth church I've been on staff at. Every single church youth group is clicky. And there's nothing you can do about it, and you're not going to get away from it because the disciples were clicky. You remember? They had, Jesus had a huge group of followers because he sent out the 72. But then he was really tight with the 12. They were like the coolest crowd ever. And then of the 12, Peter, James, and John were really close to Jesus, and he spent a lot more time with them and invited them to parties that he didn't invite the other 12 to. And then John was the disciple whom Jesus loved. All right? We're all in different levels of relationship. And you can't really, you can't do anything about that. What you can do is make sure that the kids are loving and open to anybody who's there, but they're going to be in different levels of relationship. It, you can't make PCS kids who've been in 
who know these kids since they were five, and now suddenly they're in high school and other kids are there that they've known for six months and they don't treat them the same, they can't. They're not going to. It's not realistic. Okay? They're in deeper relationship with these other people. So clicks are a part of it. You can bust up clicks. The best way to bust up clicks, and if your child is telling you they can't come because it's too clicky, is say, bring your own click. You got friends at school, invite them to church. And then you don't care who whose else is there because you, you brought your own friends with you. You imported them, right? Bring your own friends. So that doesn't, that doesn't wash. Uh, other things you can do is... Um, is well, let me let me let me go down. Uh, I got a whole list of suggestions because we need we need to wrap this up anyway. I got a whole list of suggestions for all of these different things that we've talked about that will hopefully kind of crystallize all this for you. This is where we get real practical. Okay, um, number one, go to church every Sunday yourself. Make church a priority for your family. If you make it a priority for your family, you're teaching something just by your practice in general with your kids. So if you and your spouse need to have a discussion about Sabbath principle and what that means for you, you need to do that because it's important. Number two, teach the Sabbath principle. You know, how, how you work, play, sports, all these things, you've got to model that yourself again because your kids are watching you more than they're listening to you. So you've got to go into that. Number three, Force your kids to go when they don't like it. Now, I know that may not sound great, and you can say, well, you don't know what I'm dealing with at home and all these different things. And I'm just telling you that um, it's very easy for us uh, to throw in the towel depending on what's going on. Um, uh, Now, that may look differently depending on the level of resistance that you have. Let me say that. Throw that caveat in there. Again, if you've got an openly hostile atheist in your home, okay, that looks a little different from a kid who's just like, I don't want to go because nobody likes me. Okay, there's a huge difference in those two, right? Uh, The openly hostile atheist, I might say, hey, you just got to go with me Sunday morning, second service to hear the gospel and, you know, be a part of that. Because again, what you're saying is in my home, this is, this is valuable. This is, this, me and my house, we will serve the Lord, right? This is who we are. So when you're 18, you know, and you're on your own, I can't control you. But right now, this is what we do. And they're going to hear the gospel. And you can't, you know, there's value in that, okay? Now, the other kids, though, that's, that's the rare, I think that is least, less likely than these other reasons. My friends don't go there. It's too clicky. I don't like it. You know, there's all these other reasons that are more normal for your average teenager. Those are the ones I'm saying, make them go. Make them go to youth group. Get them in discipleship here even if they're involved in other things like student venture and things like that, if you want them to like perimeter and if you want them to have a heart for the church, you can't just farm that out to the parachurch. You've got to make sure they're also grounded and connected here. Make them go on to Gold Rush or on a retreat or a breakfast club, things like that. Why? That's where the relationships are going to happen. Sometimes you've got to get them out of their environment completely uh, retreats are so valuable because you get, a, you get a year's worth of small group time on one weekend retreat. Do you realize that? I mean, if they're with these kids, they're sleeping in the same cabin with them, you get them on a retreat and they're there for the whole weekend, they're getting a ton of relational time. They're more likely to connect with at least one person, okay, while they're there that they can go, okay, as long as Johnny's there, I'll be glad to go because I made this connection at a retreat. They're more likely to connect with a staff member, if they go on a retreat. 
okay? Because there's so many kids, but usually only about 50 or 60 kids go on retreats. So I get to know lots of kids on retreats. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll get on the bus on the way to a retreat, and I will walk up and down the aisle of that bus for two hours while we're driving and learn everyone's name and get to know something about everybody on that bus because that's my job, right? I mean, I'm intentional about it, but I want to know who they are, and I get it because it's a smaller chunk, and it's easier for me to interact with them in that way. Um, Get them involved in leadership. We have a new leadership initiative that's Wednesday night. Again, that's the missional component, right? Give them a reason to get involved missionally at the church. What Mark said, maybe your son doesn't like church, but he didn't even know that he could make cool videos for Watershed and that Mark then can start discipling him while they're doing videos together. You see, having, having that missional outlet, maybe that's the way to get them involved. Uh, get the youth staff involved. Let us know your child is struggling. Often we don't know. We may not know. And, and our, your discipleship leader or youth staff is vital as to be a partner with you. When your kids get in discipleship, there's a barrier there between the parents, often on the kid's side and the leader's side. It's hard for the leader who maybe is really good with teenagers, but to call, cold call all the adults and be like, hey, I'm your kid's discipleship leader. By the way, we tell them to do that, but they may not all do that. You take the first step and call your, D group, your kid's D group leader and say, hey, let's get together for coffee. I just want to know who you are. How can I pray for you? How can I encourage you to be uh, you know, active in my kid's life? Engage with your son or daughter's discipleship leader here so that you're partners in your kid's life. And you can do that with youth staff. I'm, you know, I'm glad to meet with any of you to talk about your kid, to talk about issues with your kids. It helps me to know we pray for your kids every Thursday, okay? As a staff, we spend about an hour and a half just talking about shepherding issues with different students, and then we pray for them. I'll be glad to pray for your kids on Thursday. So if we know your child is struggling, we will do our best covertly to help that struggle, if we know Susie is struggling, we'll go right up to Susie when she gets there and say, how are you? And we'll engage and we'll try to talk to her and get her connected. And I'll find out who else goes to Susie's school and I'll say, hey, see that girl over there? You need to go talk to her. Ask her to sit with you so that Susie doesn't even know that we're doing that. But we'll do that because we want her to get connected. Okay? We will do that. Um, last thing is... Explore the problems with church. You've got now this paradigm, attractional. Do they enjoy it? Is it, is it something that is connecting with them? Is it relevant? Uh, missional, sociological, relational. Start talking to your kids and draw them out of why they don't want to come and find out which one of these factors is the key. And when you start to figure out which one of those things is what's holding them back, then you can kind of start to know what the remedy is. Oh, it's relational. Okay. Well, then how can we get you know, that's when you call the youth staff. That's when you try to get them in a discipleship group with their friends. That's when, you know, or people at their school. See, there's, there's things we can do to remedy some of these issues um, if we know what they are. So find out what it is that's holding them back in each of these issues. Now, the last thing, and we haven't talked as much about this, um, the spiritual component is huge. And I don't want to downplay that. For a lot of people, we can get snowed on, it's really a spiritual problem and not any of these others, okay? And I have been bit by this so many times. I'll have a parent who will come to me and say, you know, you would be surprised how many youth pastors have been fired at churches because of this one. And let me give you a scenario that happens at churches all over the country, and I hate it. I hate to even bring this up. But 
There are, let's say there's a key elder who's a power broker at his small church, and they hire a youth director, and this elder's son is in complete rebellion and really isn't a believer and doesn't want Jesus and doesn't want anything to do with Jesus. Now, is he going to come home and tell his dad, I don't love Jesus, I don't want anything to do with Jesus? Probably not. He's going to come home and say, youth group's boring. It's too clicky. I don't like, he doesn't teach well. You know, they're, they're going to say all these things. Now, what is this elder going to do? He's going to go to the session and he's going to go, we got to get a new youth pastor. This place is this is going, you know, to pot. This guy doesn't know what he's doing. You think that happens in our churches around the country? Unfortunately, it happens a lot. Youth pastors get fired every day because kids don't want the gospel. I would encourage you, if you're getting all these things from your kids, come stand in the back of Watershed. Engage with your youth staff again. Find out what's really going on. Because I, have, I remember this lady, I was getting ready to teach a lesson on sexuality, and which is so funny because we don't talk about sex. You talk about the spiritual implications of it, not anything about sex itself. But it was so like freaking her out that we were going to do this. And she came and, you know, I saw her walk in the back as I was getting ready to teach. And I said, oh, well, you know, here we go. <laughs> and I just, I just taught my lesson as I normally would. And she came up afterwards and just was, could not believe. She was like, this needs to be podcast. This need, everyone needs to hear this is, this is the most amazing thing I've ever heard. And, and I was thinking, you know, you just came and stood in the back and heard for yourself. Sometimes you might need to do that. Uh, you might need to hear for yourself. If they don't like their D group leader, you sit down and have coffee with them. And if, you're, if you leave going, wow, I wish they were my D group leader, then you know there's maybe a spiritual issue going on with your kid, and it's not any of these other reasons. Okay? So that's an important factor to keep in mind. Um, you and I don't have the power to make our kids Christians. Remember, we, we say, I've said it before in here, we can make our kids Pharisees. We do have the power to do that. Um, we can drive them into rebellion. We probably have the power to do that. But we don't have the power to make them Christians. And you can't make them fall in love with church. If they're not a believer, the main thing you can do is pray. Um, but if they're here, they at least have a chance to hear the gospel and, and can be more engaged um, with the Christian community, like I said, with the guy that, that came years ago. And they might start coming to church for different reasons because their social group is here, uh, because they have a missional outlet here. You know, and God works through all these different things uh, to reach into your kids' lives. So does anybody have any questions? Because I'm pretty much gone through all my spiel. Yes, right. Let me say that for the podcast and restate what you said, um, is that if you have your kids are really active out in the community and they're out doing that, which, we, which I would recommend, then they might miss the great retreat that your church is taking where they have an opportunity to connect into the Christian community relationally. Uh, we do have two retreats every year at least. There is in both junior high and high school a fall retreat and a winter retreat. Uh, the, the high school one is in the first weekend of November. We do that because football's over for most schools. So we actually pushed ours back to right after the first weekend of November. And then we do one in February. And then Gold Rush is in July. So there's three opportunities. And then mission trips can go all summer. So there's several ways. Mission trips are awesome, too, because you get a really small group, probably 10 students, 
And man, they go have an experience for two weeks in another country. Talk about bonding. You can bond in an incredible way on a trip like that with a smaller group as well. So, so there are a lot of different opportunities. There's Breakfast Club, which is in the morning, okay, which is another way to relationally connect. Uh, not every school has a Breakfast Club, but four, four of our schools do. So that's a factor there. I, I don't know if that totally answers your question, but that, that's one thing. And the other thing is, and this is hard as your kids get older, you also have to tell the coach at the beginning when you sign him up, hey, he is signed up, but guess what? This one weekend, we're pulling him. And again, that's you making it a priority and saying, church is more important than sports. Now, is, could it cost him something to do that? It could have cost him a starting position or something? Yes, right? I had to, I'm making that same choice myself as a family. My son, his last football game is this weekend, and I told his coach he's not going to be there because we're going out of town as a family, and we're going to miss it. And you have to decide that. And it's harder as they get older. I realize like if he's a senior starting, you know, at Norcross or something, that's a little more difficult to do. But, but that's a factor that I would weigh too, is talking to the coach up front at the front end. You know, it's if at the very beginning of the year, it's a little easier to say, coach, my son is going to play. He's excited. We're committed. But this weekend he's going to be gone at church because that's important to us. Then you're even ministering as a parent to the coach and saying, you know what? We don't buy into this that this, the world revolves around this sport. We as a family think church is more important. Yes? Well, I was just going to address what you, what you just said about making it a priority and teaching your kids that, it, um, you know, yeah, it's great that you're involved in this activity, but, you know, they're also involved in their discipleship group or, or whatever other small group. My daughter's a cheerleader at Archery um, Mill. Cheers at... at high school, and I was talking to another mom this weekend, because it was my weekend work gate duty, but my daughter is on the retreat, and she was making a comment that, oh, my daughter really wanted to go on that retreat, and I said, well, why didn't she, you know, because, you know, Jessie made the decision, my daughter, to, to go on the retreat, because that's where her heart was. So I think, you know, it's just something you have to talk to your kids about and find out um, where their heart is and where your priorities are. And it was important enough that I had her go talk to her coaches. And she told her coaches, you know, this is what I'm going to be doing. So, um, you know, it's not totally out of the realm of possibility that our kids could make. Right, yeah. Yeah, your kids can lead in that way. Now, a, a, another caveat to that, though, just to point out, what if your kid is incredibly missional on his team, okay? Let's say they have a great ministry and they're really ministering to the other students that are on that team, and he's the starting quarterback or whatever. <laughs> that, that might be a different choice I would make, honestly, to say, you know what? It's important that you don't let your team down for this big game coming up because it would be a bad witness to the team. Okay, that's possible too. Again, these, there's a lot of gray in this stuff. I don't ever want to point out that and just act like this is easy or that this is black and white. I think these are difficult choices to make as families as we get into these things. Um, but, and I think it's easier when they're little. Again, my son's 11. I can be like, okay, how much? He's, he's a horrible blocker. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, he's, he's just learning. This is his first year of football. If he misses the game, I don't think the team's going to suffer just yet at the level he's playing at. 
it's different when he's a junior in high school, okay? So there's, there is something to that, okay? He's not as good as he will be one day. Yeah. It, beginning, you talked about engaging with uh, your kids about the culture. You mentioned 1 Corinthians. What was the... 1 Corinthians 6, yeah, 9 through 11 is the passage that talks about um, such as what some of you were. So, you know, you were a homosexual, you were all these things. And that's a great passage just for, there's a lot of issues there, not just homosexuality that's listed in that passage. Yeah. Yes. A couple of things. You mentioned the, the, the gay thing. It's huge. It's huge. As, as it, uh, we see in, in our culture. Is there something at Perimeter Church that ministers to gay people, or do you speak to the high school, junior high people about how to engage, or how if you are, or minister to those? I, I think that that is the biggest problem with the churches, is the gays think that, that we're, we're all gay haters. Right. Yeah, we're, we're, we're quiet about it, probably more than we should be. We talk about it, like I might use it as an illustration in a talk that I'm doing for Watershed or things like that, so we try to engage but we have not done a specific series or lesson on that. And now in the junior high in the last few years, it was addressed because they used to talk about sexuality every year as a part of the teaching series. And we're going to do one on sex and dating this fall. So we will, um, we will address it then. Or in the spring. I'm sorry, in the spring. We also have a um, program, a one-off program every once in a while called You Asked For It, where they actually get to text in questions and ask, and it's been addressed a, a, a couple times specifically in that as well. Yes. I just wanted to offer a personal word of testimony, really. Um, so, you know, I've got a high schooler, a middle schooler, and a first grader. So, I've been in the program, <laughs> I've been for the long haul. And something Jeff said, I just wanted to comment, I really passed the ball back to you because there's something I want you to say that you said to me that I want you to share with the group. But I went to lunch with Jeff and I said, hey, this youth group, it doesn't look like what I grew up with. You know, I'm having trouble with that because I knew my experience and I'm seeing my kids and, well, you know, it's not the same, whatever. So we talked through some of the issues, but one of the breakthroughs in the conversation I had with Jeff was, okay, Dave, here's our program. Now, I can't say that it's the right program. It's the right program for your family, but this is, this is the way we do it. So if it's for you, get on the train. If it's not for you, then there's another train you need to be actively involved in. Breakthrough that we had was, and you can walk through that. I want to pass this back to you, and I can put you on the spot. But it was, you know, it starts with discipleship, and then it's the retreats, and then it's Gold Rush, and then it's Gold Rush leadership, and then it's TFL. So I may have just given it back to you, but those were things I thought, you know, okay, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. So let me go do that, and then we'll, and then we'll have this conversation for my second kid. Because you make all your first mistakes. <laughs> but if you would like to share, that was very impactful for me, was this is the way we do it, and this is the plan that we have. And then, you know, yeah. that would be good for your kids. Yeah, what, what we're talking about here is, is that we do have a plan. Again, we're not, you are the primary spiritual leaders of your family and of your household and your kids. You're the primary discipler of your kids. But we do have a plan to try to see your kid become a mature and equipped follower of Christ. And and we walk through that together. And, and really, again, and it's not that it's a perfect plan, because even at best, I might be around your child, and that's if I'm personally engaged with your kid three, two or three hours a week, you know, for the most active kids. So, you know, everything's not going to happen in that period of time. But you're right. It, it, it starts with 
discipleship at Watershed, our large group meeting, which is Sunday night, we have TFL for students. That is a whole year-long process they can go through as a sophomore or above. We do our retreats, again, where the relational component is primarily built, and we cover specific things on those retreats. Like, for example, our solitude retreat that we have done for the last five years, we teach about the spiritual discipline of solitude. You know, that's something that may, they may not get, but we, we have a specific intentional time that we try to do that. Um, Gold Rush is where we're trying to get students to own their faith and to actively participate in things that they'll do in church the rest of their life, like lead a small group or speak or lead worship or do missions. Or, and part of it is we're trying to expose them to all these different things so they figure out what their shape for ministry is, what their passions are, what their spiritual gifts are. So all of these things are very intentional uh, that, that we're trying to do to see your child become a mature and equipped father of Christ. And we have a lot of kids who are involved in all of that, and it and they're very, you know, we see the fruit of that. We have some kids who are involved in a lot of that, and it still doesn't stick. Again, there's a spiritual thing that's happening here. We can't, it's not an A plus B equals C, right? Just because you do the right things doesn't mean it gets the outcome that you want, but that is a, that is a part of it. Yes? Well, and it's hard because if they don't know anybody, they're going to fight you tooth and nail about going on that retreat because they don't know anybody. And it's scary. It's scary to go on a retreat with a whole bunch of people you don't know. But it's a snowball. The more you don't do it, the more they don't know anybody. So you got to force them to go for a little while to get connected relationally. Thank you guys for coming. Let me, let me pray. Uh, Lord, we need your grace. Um, we love you. Thank you for teaching us. We want our kids to fall deeply in love with you first and foremost. But Lord, a part of that is we're a part of the bride of Christ and we want them to love the bride as messed up, as clicky, as uh, sometimes the bride's not engaging. Sometimes, uh, Lord, it's not attractional. Sometimes it's not relational. Sometimes it's not missional. Um, there's so many factors in our lives that distract us from you. So we pray that we and our kids would love your church and love you with our whole hearts. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to the Parent University Podcast. Parent U is a part of the student ministries at Perimeter Church in Johns Creek, Georgia. Please visit the student ministries website at www.perimeter.org students for more information. Thank you.